You are now about to witness the awesome yeah, time is about to drop off crushing might of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stop Oh, I'm dizzy. Long passive days are passing out on the show. Not this one, the new one, the old one, if you remember. Snuckle up, knuckle up. Anyway, it's V12, the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. And the topic today is one that I had to be dragged, kicking, and screaming to. Why? I hate it. 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 But, you know, the whole Twitter thing, my Twitter feed has been alight with it. Somehow people are tagging me because they think I'm interested, sort of, to a certain degree. So we got to talk about it. Whether it's the Schwabonian cosmography of a race argument about preference, or Joe Rogaine talking about Negroes and tipping, <laughs> you made me do it. But right after we hear the signature words of Stigmata from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, well, they sell it still. Intro, calling of the, from the calling of the just. Listen, listen carefully. But I could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. Being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, my friends. Let's put on the on the on the headset see if we can get this working. Uh, so uh, it 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 is uh, Easter for those of you who uh, are so inclined. Uh, uh, Passover for the past two nights for those of you who are otherwise inclined. I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think you can hear me. If there's a problem, those of you who can tweet me or text me, do so. Um, but uh, it, it is April Fools. <laughs> Doesn't it tell you something that April Fools and Easter on the same day? Well, not always on the same day. I'm guessing, but this year is that possible? No, it's never been on. On somebody would have made the joke before now that uh, Easter Sunday is falling on uh, on April Fool's Day, mostly because if the crucifixion was on any time on Friday, three days in the grave, it's impossible to get those between those and and sunday if you look at it this way friday saturday sunday yeah dummies think it's three days but pick any time on friday say 6 p.m dinner time on friday suppose jesus christ was crucified at 6 p.m on friday 6 p.m to 6 p.m on saturday one day 6 p.m to 6 p 6 p.m saturday to 6 p.m on sunday two days 
where'd he get the third day? Where do you think you got the third day from? I don't know. I don't know. Who am I? Just a guy in dirty underwear and a T-shirt that says better fighter than you. In any case, uh, uh, those of you who are at Eugene S. Robinson, or maybe you have your own Twitter account, those of you who are not acquainted with Twitter, um, or those of you who have not read any news headline, I, I guess you see we're in the midst of, of a, if, if this was a legal trial, it would be race discovery section, <laughs> where our voir dire or voir dire, depending on how you want to pronounce it, that legal discovery phase where you interview the jury about mm, their experiences with whatever might influence, unduly uh, influence the case. In this instance, uh, uh, we've been talking about nothing but race since 2000, and, since the election, right? Um, uh, probably since Trump came out and said that uh, all Mexicans were rapists, people were like, whoa, oh, this guy is done. And it turns out not. So, uh, um, we listen, let me explain to you why I have turned my back on the discussion of race and, and not completely and totally, but I I'd probably say the first time I'd gone to England uh, was maybe, oh, I don't know, in the 90s, right? Uh, first time I was in Europe and uh, I remember walking into uh, a bar, uh, a pub, and it was clearly a bunch of guys in suits as before I was I was rocking a suit every day. And uh, I had on a bomber jacket. My head was shaved and kind of came in and this guy just looked up and like, nah, I didn't want me there. So, but the first card I don't go to, I don't automatically assume that, that it, this is driven by a racial preference. And indeed, all of my race interactions in Europe have been a million times more pleasant, even in Eastern Germany, what used to be Eastern Germany, racist strongholds in Eastern Germany are in countries like Poland that are 98% racially homogenous, uniformly uh, uh, better than, than, than and, and don't get me wrong, I've gotten into fights in other countries. However, the, 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 there, there are plenty of reasons to get into a fight with me. <laughs> Race might only be one of them. So uh, I, uh, clearly these guys didn't want me in the pub, but in general, I prefer my interactions with uh, uh, European men in Europe because they'll walk by you on the street and um, it's a, it's a, it's a merit-based system. It's like, I'm a white guy. Oh, and there's a black guy. And if you have to speak or have to, or decide to speak or something, it's like, oh, hey, black guys. Oh, oh hey, white guy. It's like a, a, a Tommy Wiseau movie, but in real life. They, they might not, not might not even like you. They might not even like you. Like when I went into that bar, but the reality of it is, you know, um, and I'm sure, you know, with the national front and people will call shit on this. Oh, you have not been attacked. Or you've been chased. And yeah, I'm, uh, they're different, different, epo different epochs in, in street culture. But by the time I got there in 1990, there seemed to be a fundamental difference between the nature of, uh, uh, uh people with white skins interest or concern or focus on race specifically people with dark skin uh than it is here in america where these interactions are always kind of fraught with with uh, attention and a certain amount of anxiety um now i i've tied this into a wider theory that uh concerning penis size but and before you start to laugh too much realize it's been signed on now by two professors one from Brown and one from Yale. So if you wanted to go to ozzy.com, ozy.com, and type in uh, the search bar, penal politics, you'll see uh, where I extended it. My next place to go with this was race, right? Because the slaves did not show up here 
with tuxedos, they showed up naked. Uh, and, and if you don't think most uh, uh, most of the major Nazi movements or the um, Nazi is a strong word, uh, race driven movements have had at their base root a kind of sexual paranoia. If you look at Jules Stryker's work in Sturmer, um, and he was the famous Nazi propagandist, um, a lot of the illustrations focus on uh, uh, the, 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 the large nose, thick lipped, uh, corpulent, which in back then was a sign of kind of sexual powers, um, with his arm dangled over the shoulder of a of a confused but maybe slightly unhappy looking uh, 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 German uh, woman, non non Jewish woman, and it's, it continues. Tom Metzger with the White Aryan Resistance League. If you go to his site, he's always got some kind of slightly discombobulated white woman under the arm of uh, uh, you know a threatening Negro and with a legend, white man rise up. Are you going to stand by? But it's all when when are you going to when are you going to rise up, white man? So you can't you can't tell me, and I won't accept. And I, I'll do another piece. This one is on penal politics, but <laughs> this is like a, a, a penal basis in, in racism. But it's more to it. It's it's got to be even if the basis and the origin is there. There's something else going on that causes me when I'm walking in San Francisco in an $800 uh, Burberry overcoat and uh, you know. $200 briefcase. I, I, don't, I didn't pay this for it. I was given it free when I was editor-in-chief of uh, Men's Fashion Magazine. If you wore it on TV, you got to keep it. So you got, I got to keep it and walk it through San Francisco and people are still nervous. So, oh, Eugene, you're heavy. Oh, Eugene, if you don't smile, you look too serious. Oh, Eugene, you know, at some point you might just have to come to the conclusion that whether I'm dressed like a bum or whether I'm dressed like a, uh, uh, which is what I was when I went into that bar, that pub in England, not like a bum, but like a post-punk guy, bomber jacket, bald head, boots, <laughs> you know, um, that that maybe there's something, something significantly relevant about the anxiety-driven nature of racism in America. Now, I don't know what racism is, right? I, I, I look. I understand to a certain degree, I understand to a certain degree the liberty implied by by speaking freely, right? Um, I can tell you right now um, lots of horrible things about yourself, whether, whether or not, based on my perceptions, whether or not they're true doesn't make any difference, you know? Um, and... I, I could tell you horrible things. I you know you I don't know if you've seen that meme where two guys on the other side of the lake guys hey what's your name? Guy says my name is Tony. He goes oh great fuck you Tony. <laughs> I was like fuck you. So there he guys just screaming invective at him across the lake and it's somebody the legend read you know BJJ fights online. But the reality was these are words are yes I've seen the things in the hospital about are you being abused and emotional abuse and words can hurt and they can but they hurt because they're they're, they're thought structures that cause off a certain you know neuron linked uh, reactions to stuff that has meaning for you so if I say fuck you I'm gonna kill you this has meaning for you the other anxieties that don't have voices that make you say like oh, they have a whole black panel, uh, that can't be good, or he's got the best of both worlds, he's got a black body and a white brain, stuff that purportedly some 
I don't know. I wasn't there. People send me links. I don't listen. I don't have time. Maybe it was said by uh, a Rojo game. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not doing the dumb and deaf thing that, mo that a lot of my Trump voter friends do where they go, he didn't say that. I didn't read it. If I read it, who knows where it came from? The systematic denial of the reality of experience. I don't know that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about loose talk. Now, if I'm on a date and I say some really retrograde, horrible shit, I should reasonably expect that that date is not going to go uh, any sexy way I'd want it to go, right? I mean, these little thought bombs go off in the head and they signal intent, right? They, they, they signal intent. But generally, I'm okay. I've been in places, I've been in places, I'll tell you what, my wife went to pay the, uh, the water bill and the guy, two guys who work at the water company are talking and one guy talks about how his uncle uh, used to throw kittens to uh, his pit bulls. Okay. Um, this is a water company, right? And um, and you know, my wife is an inveterate cat lover, and said, "Why would he do that?" And I think he asked why why he would do that, and he said, "Well, he hated, hated cats, and he wanted to toughen his dogs up, you know." But then he had a heart attack and died, and she goes, "Good, I'm glad he died, and I hope he's suffering in hell." Here's the sixty bucks for the water, <laughs> and they they were shocked to discover. A vocal, a vocal, uh, 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 you know, uh, supporter, uh, fan of animals. That's not the point. The point is, in this instance, that uh, that these are just words, right? They signal intent. Yes, that the kind of person that might throw kittens to, to pit bulls might be a complete piece of shit. But we can disambiguate, right? It's no, it's not entirely clear to me. But I'm not, I'm not playing that game. On the on the on the merits of, of, of the comment, we have to say, is racism is a repository of racism in language, and I'm gonna have to say, like I said on V11, uh, that language is part of the process, right? Language is part is what we use to ramp. Um, I remember a friend of mine who said he had a moment, a, a grand moment of revelation when he went to his first prostitute. And he said he found he found the honesty completely uh, revelatory and and stunning, and he went on to do it uh, much more. He of course uh, has saned up. He, <laughs> strangely enough, as luck would have it, he uh, works at at YouTube. <laughs> make of this what you would. I don't know if this show will make it to the end as a result of that revelation, but so uh, um. He he liked the on the honest uh, honest exchange. He thought there was no mystery about about this exchange at all, and and he found it to be an incredibly honest form of discourse. So that's what that's what we're talking about: on, honesty and discourse. So uh, um, there are things I might say in order to to garner a reaction. There are things I might say to, but the the fundamental kind of punk rock based reality is that. Yeah, you know, unless you are deep in an emotional relationship with somebody, words shouldn't be uh, uh, able to hurt. But words are part of the process of hurting, right? It's not like one day you were walking down the street in Berlin, and the next day <laughs> you were being truncheoned in an alleyway by police who had freedom of the streets as given to them by Himmler. That's not how it happened. There was a lot of talk 
a lot of talk before it happened. Now, I don't know what it, it with American racism, the slaves showed up and it was kind of like, uh, I guess maybe people just collectively decided, I'm a farmer, I'm a rancher. I got, I got a mule, I got a horse, and now I got these guys who I can make work for free. Perfect. Well, hmm, I guess I'll treat them like the mule and like the horse, because when I look over there and see what they're packing, I clearly can't have them near the house. <laughs> so, and thank God my wife is not down here on this loading dock to see what I'm seeing now, the, the underlying sexual roots of, of the nature of racism. So when you get people like Jimmy the Greek at one bar, I was at Howard Cassell, look at that monkey run, and Jimmy the Greek was talking about the 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 aspirant passage where it was essentially a, a genetic experiment darwinian darwinianism uh, uh, on steroids where if you were sick on the slave ships you were thrown overboard right or if you didn't weren't healthy enough to make it you weren't making it and then mixing these people together on the sea islands of the american south and the caribbean and having them uh I I you know uh, uh, uh interbreed or mate with each other and then you have you know you have what you have today with with pro sports. I mean, he, he was kind of saying that and he got it was, it was maybe the wrong time for him to be saying it. But the reality of it is we're not even schizophrenic about about race in America. We're just crazy, crazy. And and it's a kind of crazy that makes everybody crazy. You know, the Shabonian commentary regarding the blackness of the Fox panel on MMA, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about mixed martial arts, UFC, um, <laughs> it's, it's something that a, that a crazy, fundamentally something that a crazy person would say. And of course, you know, it makes you crazy. If I, if I were to tweet out right now on my phone, tweet out to, uh, uh, to, to Eve Edwards, um, sausages are good food, eat poop. You know what he would do? Nothing. He would ignore it in total, right? But, you know, uh, Schwabonia has, comes out and says some shit about the panel. They're not qualified. What are they trying to do? You know, snowflake, blah, 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 all this internet talk shit that I don't, I, I'm trying to close myself off from. And, and, and says stuff like that. And even has got to respond in Twitter. And then people have to tweet me because they go, oh, he's a Negro sports commentator. So maybe he'll be interested. And I'm not even interested. I can't even figure out quite how to mute the conversation. And it's going back and forth. And then there's a laser focus on, well, his friends, well, the coattail riding piece of shit that Schwaboni is, is now riding on, on, on Roe Jogain's. Uh, and people go, Roe Jogain, well, if you lay down with dog, you get up with fleas. Let's look at these guys together. We look at these guys together. Oh, Rogaine is like, he's like, oh, if I could put a, a, you know, a black body with a white brain, a blacks are bad tippers. And, and people are now being made crazy. Uh, uh, Rogan has yet to respond. Uh, um <laughs> And maybe, you know, Michael Richards, the specter of Michael Richards dancing in his head, or there's always a great shelter of like, you know, the difference between Michael Richards and, and Joe Rogan is, uh, Rogan is, of course, completely funny. Sometimes, a little bit. Like I said, after seeing his live show, he's got he's got two two instinctive drives. One is to uh, play to the cheap seats, uh, you know, the Yahoo thing. And I don't mean the company. I mean, uh, the Yahoo guys, like, you know, to play to what he figures is cer a certain amount of his base, the dudes, guys who have things called man caves in their houses. And the other is this kind of more contemplative, 
you know, thing about, hey, we're on a rocket ship out of space or, you know, his, his acid fueled ideations. So um, but I'll give you something. I'll give you something that's pretty emblematic. If you go look at Joe Rogan uh, versus a feminist, you know, I, I've met Joe before and I need to say he was always nice to me. Uh, I mean, a long time ago. I mean, it was when you like UFC 47 post fight presser. Because I used to show up with all my lu- my luggage was a Safeway grocery bag because I knew I would I knew I didn't want to have to carry anything back and I knew everything I needed I would be wearing by the end of the weekend and I could jettison the bag and fly back with nothing. But a lot of times when I, the plane landed, I didn't have time to go to the hotel room before I got to the fight, so I just take the grocery bag with me. So Rogan would be like, "Man, were you doing your shopping before you go?" Always nice to me, always unfailingly nice to me. Doesn't mean shit, Eugene. It doesn't mean shit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I've known guys in job interviews who were super nice to me. They didn't give me the job, right? And herein lies the difference between racist talk and a racist activity. Now, it may happen that causally connected to a guy who goes, you know, I, hey, hey, who's who's that guy? Who's that Negro over there? Well, he, he's one of your accountants. I only want my accountants wearing yarmulkes. Who said this? Well, our president said this. So subsequently, the black accountant was fired. So we go from words (laughs) to deeds. Now it gets a little easier. It gets a little easier to get our our hands around. Firing an accountant, not on the basis of him being good. I mean, it seems like, who am I talking to? This is like some kind of version of Sesame Street. Firing a guy who you don't know whether or not he's doing a good job on the basis of you suspect he will do a bad job on the basis of him looking a certain way is fucking ridiculous. Some might make the claim that without their the 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 racial racial per- persecution of Jews, Germans might have actually won that fucking war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, they might have actually won the war. You had many Jewish veterans from World War World One, but what I find that's interesting if you go to Germany you'll have stuff that's passed along words that are passed along from people that you might think are ordinarily sane but are completely insane and that's this is like the ring and the lord of the rings you know you around this and he said well you know being the jews the jews suffered terribly in in world war ii here in germany somebody said to me great so far no problem and he goes, and they lost so much. You know, they had so much money and they lost so much. Bang! Whoa! Hundred foot dive in the fucking total stupidity. Because I got to tell you, some of those people I saw with shoes that were made out of newspapers, with things that, you know, suitcases that were wrapped up with string, I don't think that those people had so much money necessarily. And certainly not as we got east. But these were words that had to be spoken. And these were words that infiltrated enough. So there's a great... Uh, a great comedian. His name was like, uh, he's a Jewish comedian, Barry. Oh, I can forget his name. He was like a really funny Adam Sandler before Adam Sandler. And he disappeared. Um, uh, yeah, he's better than Adam Sandler is what I mean. And he did this piece. He goes, okay, okay. I'm not racist. Okay. Uh, white people really can dance. Okay. Okay. You know, uh, b- black people, uh, really can't dance. Oh, okay. Okay. And he's just, he starts going through, you know, he starts going through our kind of widely held sort of uh, uh, misconceptions about uh, uh, race on a language level. And it's very funny. 
oh, okay, oh, and he and he touches everybody. Irish people don't have a drinking problem, and these are f familiar tropes to us. You know, we we organize things along the lines that we of a generalization because it makes it easier to understand reality. But it happens that if you need if you if reality is still too confusing for you, so there's a level of, of simplicity beyond which people never come back. Right. So so in 2004, you have a guy telling me in Berlin about how much money the Jews had. <laughs> you know, in 2018, you got uh, uh, Shalbonia uh, uh, saying, well, the only reason that the panel is there is because they're black yeah we're trying to do a piece to some i mean they're not even the best so it's got to be like a quota system <laughs> it just it, it make it, it makes you crazy let's for a second let's let's for a second entertain the possibility that this is not the best panel it's not the best panel does the, does any part of it not being the best panel have to do with the blackness of their skin or as suggested, as suggested by uh, this tweet, which I uh, have a link I haven't heard from his show, where he's like, "Oh, a black body and a in a white mind," <laughs> which is some latter day get out shit. But okay, the sunken place. Okay, <laughs> let's. I mean, what about the color? I mean, outside of lighting that you see in Hollywood is typically not even after millions and millions and billions of dollars going through that place. Hasn't until recently figured out how to light black people. I mean, if you read the cinematographers magazine, it's actually a thing. They finally figured out, Hey, our black stars not being lit. Well, <laughs> I mean, like you got one guy who's lit well at Hollywood, right? J or two, Jamie Foxx and, and Denzel Washington. Anyway. So, <laughs> But he says, well, it's, be it's because they're black. Well, how does that serve? How does that, key bono, who does that benefit? Who does it benefit? Who? Who does it benefit to have, if you're looking at this proto thing, this proto paranoia thing of like, okay, they're trying to seduce boxing fans. They're trying to create this UFC boxing thing. Boxing fans maybe are pre predominantly black. I don't know that to be true. Maybe that's what they think. Who knows? Maybe that's what that number support. I don't know. So if we want to create reasonable market confusion, when they tune into an MMA event, we have an all African-American panel. And that way we can start leeching away uh, boxing fans uh, back to MMA, which doesn't make any sense because the bald one, specifically Dana White, seems to be all about the prospect of, of developing boxing as separate from mixed martial arts. So it's it's not even an argument that, that holds any water. But these words that are used though though I, I want to devalue the significance of them you know i i could i could walk up to a police officer on the street and say i eat poop you eat poop we should eat poop together i mean these are these, they don't have any there's no there's no reality to any of these words except as they're part of the process of creating a reality <laughs> right ramping up to something so my friend at, at YouTube, the guy who said the honesty of the prostitute thing, he liked the fact that there was no preamble. There was no ramping. There was no gamesmanship. There was no job interview aspect where I got to talk about this. You have to talk about, well, you make a decision about whether you want to have sex with me. It was an even kind of calm exchange of, of cash. It was it, 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 there was a, a, a clarity to it that he liked. So I have to say in this instance with uh, uh, race, 
that these words are, are maybe insignificant outside of the fact that they lead to actions, right? Thought structures actualized in the real world have real effects, specifically ones that I care about, where I live and how I eat, which puts us safely back in the arena of Schwabonia Roganesque commentary connected to connected to what could cost maybe possibly be seen as a, a certain amount of bias. So I referenced the Joe Rogan versus a feminist thing. That's actually him and Lydia Lunch. Uh, for those of you in the know, Lydia Lunch, queen of no wave, great musician, artist, writer, poet, and uh, Joe Rogan were uh, somehow hanging out with common friends, right? Now, um, I grew up with four sisters, tons of women in my family, as you've heard me say before. And I've been friends with Lydia since um, since the late 80s, right? Um, and, uh, and, and Lydia at one point said to someone in an interview, she said, uh, if I was, if I was a man, I would be Eugene Robinson. And if Eugene Robinson was a woman, he would be me. So she goes, as it is, I'm a woman, I'm me, but it's as close as you're going to get to Eugene Robinson, which I thought was great. I love, I love Lydia dearly. So it was with sort of a shock that the guy who I had had, you know, convivial conversation with over my grocery bag at cage side is lightning to Lydia, you know, like, uh, you're a middle-aged woman who's out of shape. Oh, sure. You got your whole dark thing. And he's got a rapier like wit because he's a stand-up co comic, you know, but he also, what set him off? You know, what set, what set Joe off? Um, I think he, um, she touched him in a way that he felt was patronizing. And he said a couple of things. He got angry because he thought what she said was patronizing. And two, he he um he she didn't like being touched. And he said, Don't touch me again. All right. I mean, um I she may be taller than he is. I don't I don't know, but that's not the point. People should be respect their space. It's not a consent issue. I don't want you to touch me, don't touch me. And and she thinks he's kind of joking at first, and she's trying to, you know, what is it? Uh uh, you know, Lydia's a macho chick. So she's like, wow, what are you going to do? And so she starts arguing. And to her credit, it's a brutal exchange. I mean, you know, part of being a court jester is being able to tell the truth and cloak it in, in a certain kind of comedy. She's like, uh, you're a middle-aged woman. Well, shit, if she's 40, yeah, she, that's comfortably middle-aged. I haven't, uh, you know, so fundamentally he's told a woman that she's old and expect it. And he goes on, oh, you're are your spooky art. He goes, you're jive, you're jive. You're not real. You're full of shit. You got a stick. It's stick. It's contrived. And you suck as an artist and you suck as a person. That's, that's the subtext of the words, the words that he said, but what inspired that? What inspired that is what he felt was her, her patronizing him. And if you listen, like somebody who's listened to his parents arguing that, well, if I was, if I want this argument to end, I would say that. If I wanted the argument to end, I would say that. And they say the complete opposite. There's a point at which you can see he sort of misunderstands what she says. And she sort of understands that she's been misunderstood, but she doesn't correct it. And it just goes from bad to worse. I would never find myself in that situation. Okay. R R Rogan so, sort of implies as a prime driver in his life was an instance in which he was badly uh, 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 bullied when he was a kid that started him down the whole martial arts path and probably gave him a certain amount of desire to, you know, I will out talk you. I will out fight you. You whatever happened to him has left. So anything that, that has stinks of that slightly 
is enough to to kind of get you going. Like you're not like if you ever see the guy who's come up street fighting, get into a street fight. All of a sudden you see. I just thought he was a normal dude. He becomes a master because he's seen the street the way you don't see the street. He sees the garbage can top. He sees the brick by the fire hydrant. He sees stuff that you haven't even seen, and he's using it as a weapon suddenly and fast and and in a in a in a wild way because he's not in control. Process wise, this stuff is like I jump on a treadmill. I, it happened to me once. I was I had a foot race with somebody, and the guy uh, uh, just fun. It's ostensibly for fun, and I was beating the guy, and the guy goosed me, and I turned around, and <laughs> short of the short of the finish line, wrestled him to the to the ground, I, because I thought he was he was making light of me, and my conception of self was such that along the boundaries I couldn't take any breaches, anything that that any any derivation of a, a understanding of how it is that I saw myself was met with extreme prejudice. You see, the stuff all ties in. So, so Joe flips out and, and, and says a bunch of stuff and the video ends and it's interesting one, because it shows me that Lydia was as tough as I thought she was. I didn't break. It's like, you got to say whatever you'd like, you know, (laughs) I was worse than you every day of the week. Um, and, uh, you know, so then Rogan is talking on his show, which is very much like this one, kind of a stream of consciousness. I don't know if he ever did his show uh, 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 from behind the wheel of a car, which the show, the earlier version of the show used to be done from behind the wheel of a car. I don't know if he's done that, but it's kind of a ramble. And during that, he might say, you know, comedy is supposed to be the free, free flow of ideas around things that are surprising or different and fundamentally sort of uh, amusing. Um so the idea, if I was a black comedian, there are plenty of things about black folks not leaving tips. I should be able to say that. I should be able to joke about that, shouldn't I? Um, should, shouldn't, not has no bearing on this conversation. Do, done, have, you know, much more bearing. So in other words, where I'm going with this, for those of you who don't have the patience to stick, is that the, the ramping use of words um, is that part of the process that results in real racism. Part of the process that causes a black accountant to lose his job. Part of a process that includes, uh, uh, that involves um, me not being able to buy a house or alternatively me fighting with three cousines out in Bay Ridge in Brooklyn and getting my ear ripped open with a broken bottle, which is why I have problems with my left ear. Probably I could use earbuds, but this ear was sewn shut. I mean, a hole in this ear is really tiny. I can barely fit earplugs inside. So I got over. So what did, did one thing lead to the other? And I think causally, you know exactly where I'm going to come down on this. Of course, they're connected. The, the low grade anxiety that, that, that I feel on the streets of, <laughs> of America and have felt since I probably very, as I got closer to 200 pounds, I felt it more. Uh, at 265, I felt it a lot. When I started dropping weight again to 225, uh, it was like Goldilocks said, just right. It felt just right. So the question is, uh, you know, is 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 Rojo Gain uh, and Sh- Sh- uh, Brendan Charbonia are these are, are are they racist? I don't know. What would qualify a racist? Well, partially somebody who does racist things. Well, what's a racist thing? Well, not letting black folks live in your house 
for no other reason than that they're black folks. Uh, they got PhDs and they're black, don't want them in. They, they're making $600,000 a year, don't want them in. Makes the place look bad. They're, dri they're, driving, they're driving Rolls Royces and Mercedes Benz, can't have them here. Okay, those, those are, I'm, I'm not gonna hire, I'm not gonna let them live here. I will attack them on the streets. <laughs> so did anything that either one of those two guys rise to that level, right? No, but are they part of the process? Yes. Yes. There had been a lot of nasty, loose talk about me going to Stanford, which I did go to Stanford and, and graduated. Keep in mind, when I left in New York to come to, to come to Stanford, nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Stanford pitched themselves as the Harvard of the West. That was part of their pitch. In New York City, nobody knew. I mean, smart people, people who were not entirely stupid. I said, I'm going to Stanford. They go, oh, you mean Connecticut? No, that's Stanford. Stan with an N. Stanford. I, I never heard of it. It was through college sports that people came to know. Sorry, people came to know Stanford. So when I showed up, I didn't. I, one, my head was stitched up and my uh, earlobe was sticking out like a wing from the conversation, from the, the, my conversation with the cousines in Bay Ridge that I just spoke of. Secondly, they left my stuff. Uh, my stuff hadn't showed up, but I knew I wanted to, the first thing I wanted to do was see the gym, get a workout in. So all I had were uh, uh, shorts and no, no shirt even. Uh, and I went and worked out. Come back, a friend of mine who's now, who had been the undersecretary of defense under George W. Bush, it was a friend of mine, freshman year of college, First thing he says to me is, ah, so you're on the football team. Now, what's amazing about this is that he was a water polo player, which means he all of the varsity athletes show up to school early and they have uh, meal tables together. So he would have already seen me. Ah, okay, it's a reasonable, athletic, muscular guy. Come back from the gym, belt, no shirt. Maybe he might play football. I said, no, I don't play football. So now he's trying to figure out how I got in. <laughs> How do you got it? And so, you know, behind it all, that what if you're the, the, the offspring of an academic, if you're a, an athlete at Stanford campus, there was an assumption, at least back in the early 80s, that there was some prefer preference involved in your getting in. Quotas, you know, backy, B A K K E, there was a big case, reverse discrimination, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So I would have to, and I would do it in a second because I have no shame, I would have to automatically default to like, what'd you get on your SAT? Okay. Oh, let's see. So it, back, back in my day, the top score was 1,600. So if I got 1,400 and you got less than 1,400, you think maybe that had something to do with me getting in. Well, okay, even if there was a preference, don't you think that in a class of 60 people that the professor has no idea that Eugene Robinson is black and just edit, you know, uh, a marks of grades accordingly. In other words, you, you, there may be an assumption that you, you, you may have gotten preference to getting in, but it doesn't keep you the job. It doesn't keep you in. It doesn't let you graduate. Now, you actually have to bring shit to the table to make that happen. The words and their process and the, the, the words and their role in this process of racism are significant in, in ramping. So if we're going to make the claim that, 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 uh, that this all-black panel, incidentally, um, I saw a movie last night that had not a single black character in it, and it was filmed in fucking Oklahoma. Casually done. I mean, 
There were cops and firemen, paramedics in the movie, restaurant workers. Not a single one. Not a single one. Cops, police station, cops. Not a single one. And all of those roles had to be cast. So what you're telling me is that every single person, even the bit guy in the back, would, would you like some water with that, sir? Even that guy was the best guy they could find. The fuck out of here. The fuck out of here. So right now, I guess I'm talking about Schwabonia's stuff. I mean, uh, uh, it's like, it's like I tell you, somebody once said to me, look, you know, the only reason girls are having sex with you is because you're, you know, you're tall and you, you're muscled and you're handsome and you sing for a band and stuff. I was like, and? And? You're fucking going with this. And? It's crazy and it makes you crazy. Sitting at home, being upset that you're not doing something more significant than sitting at home watching the fight. I got that. But then you got to throw people under. Don't shake anybody else's hustle. How do you do that? Well, you're now you're hiding behind. I'm just being casually. I was just joking. I just it's reality. I'm free speech. This is my impression, my opinion. Is I don't know if it's based in fact. It's how I feel. All these mitigating words that get caught. People are so fucking defensive. And it, it, I mean, that's one of the, actually the refreshing things about European racism. They're just like racist. It's like I don't. You know, I walk in the pub. It's like, what is that guy doing in our pub? Get the fuck out of here. The guy, the cuisines that attacked me in Brooklyn, really pretty honest. You know, don't feel def- no need, no need to be defensive. These are just words, right? It's just words talking about how I feel. I can feel any way I want to feel, right? Some guy tried to catch me up in that whole flag uh, a standing thing. You don't stand at the game. So you're one of the earmarks of being a, an American. The glorious best parts about this country is I can do whatever the fuck I want, providing it's not criminal. And then all of a sudden the guy's like, yeah! See, it's a tonal thing. Who wants to be told what to do? Nobody likes it. Nobody likes being accused of being a racist because it means that they're about to be told what to do. These things are combined. However, the reality of it is, this kind of loose talk is part of the process. It's part of the process that gets a black accountant fired. It's part of the process that doesn't get me hired. And the same company that hired a white cat that's got a fucking swastika tattooed on his forehead, bro, stop. (laughs) You know, (laughs) What is that thing about, you know, talk about the beam in your brother's eye until you check out the beam in your own eye. The fuck out of here, man. The system is rigged. I got it. You know, everybody knows the dice are loaded. I go to Leonard Cohen on this one. Everybody knows. But don't try to tell me <laughs> that the dice are not loaded. Or alternatively, that the dice, yes, they're loaded, but they're really loaded in my favor. Get the fuck out of here, my favor. Get the fuck out of here. Where I almost lose a job as editor-in-chief of a music magazine because I'm in a band called Oxbow. In meantime, a guy who works at the company's got a swastika on his fucking forehead and gets the job. They eventually fired him, but he he got fired. He was like in the year three when they fired him and he decided he didn't want to wear his hat anymore during the summer to cover the swastika on his forehead. <laughs> and he could say, it's part of my, it's my thing. It's my art. I, whatever, you know, I, uh, 
I got a swastika on my head, bro. It's my thing, you know? It's just a symbol. It doesn't mean anything. I personally haven't killed 12 million people, 6 million of them Jews, haven't done this. So what do you care what I have on my head? <laughs> In other words, you know, I you're being defensive about, I have used words that might be construed as being racist. It doesn't mean that I am a racist because my activities aren't racist, but you're participating in a process of 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 this kind of weird race baiting that's made Americans so fucking anxiety ridden and schizophrenic about the nature of race because we all have that moment that that uh, Reinhard Heydrich moment of well we all have our favorite Jews we all have our favorite whatever you might be the hardcore racist but you know yeah I hate those Mexicans I want them to go back to Mexican country but but Juan is cool yeah yeah. You know what you don't you know you don't hear generally you don't hear men say ah I fucking really hate women but women are cool. In fact, I think sexism is 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 a more significant blight than than, than racism because it, it it creates a situation where you can't you you can't embrace the other person's humanity at all. The generalizations and the, and the simplifications of how you understand that aspect of reality has made it so that you cannot that you will never escape from that fly trap. Ah, bitches. Oh, what? <laughs> Can't get out of that fly trap. You're in the soup. You're in the soup. And the talk has contributed to it. So, Eugene, I, whatever, I could say, yeah, say whatever you want. Say whatever you want. Black people are bad tippers. Ha ha. That's funny. That's great. And then somebody, what was funny was somebody on the Twitter feed goes, I know a guy, I know a black guy goes to a wine bar, only gets water, doesn't tip. I go, hey, that's me. I do that. I, I do that. I said, hashtag uh, uh, not cheap broke. I went to eat with Steve Albini once, and he shows up, and he's got ripped pants, ripped the fuck, and a dirty leather jacket on, and he leaves a crazy tip. Like, it was almost as much as a bill. Like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And he was like, well, I just want to show him that you know, somebody comes in here looking like I look, you never know. And I was like, good. That's symbolically significant. I like that. I, and you're right. You're on a mission. Fuck that. You know, I, I, yeah, I'm giving 18 to 20%. But if somebody's, if somebody's a piece of shit, I have no compunction at all about giving less than that. I have no compunction at all about not giving anything. If the service is jacked up, I don't have that anxiety, the guilt about that kind of stuff. In other words, I'm not going to be motivated by counterexamples of of race characterization. Like I knew a guy who was Asian and purposely did bad in school because he's like, I don't want people cheating on me just because they think I'm the Asian guy, so I'm smart. And on the other side, he became a great driver because I don't want people just to think because I'm Asian that I'm a bad driver. I'm not going to have my life buffeted around by, you know, responding to language and attempts to to place boundaries around actions and activities. If you do not hire me, if you do not let me live in a place that I want to live, that's your right. That I will not be happy about. If I see a movie and there's not a single African-American character, even in bit roles in the back, that I'm not happy about because I know I've seen casting sheets. I know how they do it. If I if I if I hear a, a stand-up comedian make a joke about uh, about uh, black folks not tipping, I don't really think it's funny. 
but I don't think it's racist. But you can't look at it in isolation. It's part of a process. So so other people keep tweeting me other shit that Rogan said oh, about the black body and the, the white brain. I don't know. I don't know. Said it. Whatever. You know, he could be woodshedding shit. Is Joe is Joe Joe Rogan? Is he a racist? Does he do racist stuff? Does he say stuff that could be construed as racist? Well, he does. He says stuff that could be construed as racist clearly because that's why people are sending it to me. Does that make Joe Rogan a racist? I don't know. Does it make him participate? Is he participating in a process of of of, of racial uh, um, uh, generalization that that stereo stereotyping that somehow is part and parcel of what later ends up being no black accountants or no black folks in Star at City? Like Trump used to not have people black folks in Star at City. Are these things connected? I said I think they are. It's called PR, public relations. Right. What that guy didn't say, who was angry with me, he said, oh, oh, I think I think women only want to have sex with you because you're tall and you're handsome and you got muscles and you play in a band. And what he didn't say and what was unsaid. Has to do with that moment that they showed up in the Sea Islands, (laughs) the slave traders, not in tuxedos, but naked. (laughs) Got to keep these guys away from the house. And and single-handedly in America, it's been it's been a a a, a multi-general gen, uh, generational effort to keep us away us from the house. It's easy it's easy to win a race if I can convince the other guy not to run it. So uh, uh, is uh, Ro Jogain and uh, Brenda Charbonnier are these guys racist? I don't know. Is their language racist? You know, uh, it could be construed that way. Are they? And if it is construed that way, are they participating in the process of racial ideation that leads to racist activity? Yeah, pro- yeah, probably. And then I ask my my favorite Vinnie Stigma question of all time. And there's no excuse for non-performance. Nobody wants me to win this foot race. Nobody. Does that mean I do not run the race? No. If I were Eve Edwards, how would I have responded? Hashtag blow me. End of discussion. If 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 I am Lydia, known online as the feminist, get into an argument with Joe Rogan because he misinterpreted something and felt I was being patronizing. Um, I, I'd have been a lot less nice than Lydia because it's just words, right? I mean, of course, Lydia was concerned that this guy had gotten so hot over just words that he might go to the next level of hot. She's a survivor for a reason. Survivor for a reason. So, you know, uh, if you are a court jester, you have a certain amount of license. I feel tomorrow that if a uh, dude came to San Francisco, we could hang out. Would he not hire me as an accountant? I don't think I don't think that would be a problem. I sincerely would guess that you know Joe probably has black folks on his staff. I don't know. And if he doesn't, would it mean that he was that he was racist? Don't know. Don't know how deep the motive. I mean, think back to War Machine's letter somehow from prison. 
where he said there's not a single white man and war machine is not entirely white himself but he goes there's not a single white man in america who wants I, I, or maybe he didn't even say why there's not a single man in america who wants his wife daughter sister ex-girl whatever woman that he knows to have sex with black guys again it always seems to under every rock it's a weird sexual thing which frankly if you're on the other side you don't really think about we all represent certain things to each other you know if you have an idea you know that you know my 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 wife said was attracted to both me as a symbol and me in reality symbol reality reality symbol these things are combined so um i guess what i'm saying is i guess what i'm saying is do, does unless they're actively engaged unless they're actively engaged sorry unless they're actively engaged in 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 the in the in improving the process their language is an annoyance but it's not the problem it's a symptom of the disease but it is not the disease does that does that make sense i don't expect that this is going to stop all of the hashtagging and the retweeting and and all that stuff, but it just, you know, Facebook has created an, an outrage culture. And now that people don't trust Facebook anymore, and Facebook is now dealing with its own struggles, I guess the outrage is, is, is still free floating and going other people just, it's just become a way of being. I'm going to have to go back to Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, where the guy says, I suppose you think after you die, there's a guy in heaven in a big rocking chair with a beard who will give lots of good things to the people who have been good and punish eternally the people who've been bad. I, you know, I guess you might believe that. That's okay. I don't. Al Pacino has said that to uh, Jonathan Price's character. And, and, the, and the cat, it's, it's a great line. I guess you might think that the panel all black is because they were, because somehow Kibono, it benefited who, somebody? That black tipping is is a thing and it's funny or not funny. Black bodies, white brains, get out shit, funny enough. I suppose you believe that. I don't. And that's it. I don't need anybody to apologize to me. I don't need anybody to explain. I don't need anybody to get defensive. I just need everybody to go European, which is like, like you, don't like you, don't know what you are, but, you know, I haven't tried to get a job, however, in France. I haven't tried to get a job in Germany. I have been employed by the Brits. So I, it might be a very different story. When I was over training with that, uh, all those MMA cats in in uh in marseille and they were all kind of algerian guys never talked to them for a bit somebody's asking me is shab a cynical opportunist looking to score points with the all right by saying what we're all thinking man um i just think i think that um i think he's a a monkey a parrot you know or like when I was a little kid and my mom was like, she used to drive like Mario Andretti, also trying to put to rest that, oh, well, women can't drive. Oh, yeah. Watch this. 
my mother could drive. It was like a stunt Joey Chitwood stunt driver. And she'd be driving. She'd be saying, God damn it. God damn it. God damn it. And one time she braked and I was in the car. It must have been two and a half. So, you know, no car seats in. You just kind of, she put her hand out. So I would have hit the dashboard forward. And she hears me. I was in the back seat. She hears me go, God damn it. She goes, oh, man, the kid's soaking this stuff up. He's a monkey. It's a parrot. It's a sponge soaking this stuff up. It's in the air. It's in the air. <laughs> Is it good or bad? I don't know. It's in the air. You know, I mean, but if you haven't missed Come on, if you haven't missed that this has been racial the whole time, in America at least, you've not been paying attention. <laughs> you've not been paying attention. David Duke didn't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, I wrote a piece for Ozzy called My Night with a Nazi. The guy years later, it hasn't changed, man. It hasn't changed. Anyway, the show's over. Mostly I got to go do jujitsu. It's April Fool's Day. Sorry that there was nothing April Fool-esque about this or funny. Just a meditation on why race bores me. Um, because I understand you playing for advantage. It's, it's, it's natural. It's something you would do. But just don't, don't try to put shit in my cake and then tell me it's a good non-shit cake. I understand you playing for advantage. A guy who eats a shit cake is not running that race. He's feeling pretty bad. He's probably sick, systemically sick. But again, in my mind, even if I'm systemically sick, I got to try to win that race. Non-performance is no, no reason for non-performance. So I don't know. I don't know. You could probably stop tweeting me anytime somebody says, I'm not, I described once being in Naples as like spending a whole night running from one street fight to the next, because that's what it seemed like a nighttime in Naples was like. Fight, got to fight for one place to the next. So outrage culture un, 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 unhinged from un, an outrage culture unhinged from from Facebook is now just running wild around the field. Did you hear somebody said something? And then somebody said that thing about the something, the other thing they said, the thing about the thing they ah, and they were running back and forth from schoolyard fight to schoolyard fight. I just don't have the time. I don't have the time to pay attention to it. I got other things I'm thinking about. My place in space. I don't wake up and go, ah, man, my black guy teeth need to be brushed. Ooh, my black guy muscles are kind of sore. Ah, gotta put my clothes on and get out to my black guy job. My black guy car. Ah, yeah. Put on my black guy suit. Do that. I don't think about life that way. And I'm sure none of you do either. Unless you're down in that fly trap. Anyway, this is V12. This is a Eugene S. Robinson show stomper. It's been on uh, 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 Rogan, racism, and arithmetic. It doesn't add up. I'm not saying that, that he's not, not a racist, but not the kind of racist that I would care about. Denying me a job, a place to live, but is it part of the process? Yes, it is. Am I going to tell him to you know, straighten up his language? Why would I do that? I don't want anybody asking me to turn my music down. Don't ask anybody to turn their music down. Should you be surprised? Did you be surprised? Did you expect, did you, Dog Hammerskold, do is that who you expected? Really? That's what you expect when you got a comedian and the bald one running the UFC? You expect Dog Hammerskold and Martin Luther King? Come on. I expect nothing. I get nothing. 
Thanks for listening. This is the end of V12 on Tuesday. Show up for uh, show up for if the shoes uh, if I did it. It's at seven twenty. It's a show where we discuss uh, 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 PR kerfuffles like this one inside MMA, uh, or right after it if the shoes fit. It where we do PR kerfuffles in the outside world. So it's an hour long show, but one is inside MMA, one's the another one's outside MMA. And then because there's a fight next weekend, we will do a care, don't care preview typically on Wednesday or Thursday. This is Eugene S. Robinson show stomper below. You'll see, give us a thumbs up and eh, thumbs up like this. Um, Patreon.com slash the stomper. If you like this enough to donate a dollar, a nickel, 50 cents, two dollars, whatever you could do so there, please do. And right now I'm gonna go do some uh, jujitsu. Thanks for listening. Look what you made me do! Ah, sorry for screaming.